three, two, two. one. What's up, Whisper? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> all right. Now we got to start Sorry, all over. Now. Right here. What's up, Whisper Nation? And welcome into yet another edition of the Week 14 Matchup Preview Show. I'm your host, Big Travi. You can find me on Twitter at BigTraviTFW. As always, I am joined by ARC, Austin Sear. You can find him on Twitter at Austin underscore R underscore Sear. Austin, what is going on, man? What's going on, man? Great game last night. Um, I can't believe the Patriots have a, uh, I guess now they're under sub 500 record. So took them a while to get to 500. Yeah. And then they, they botched that last night. The Rams looking hot, looking really good on defense. That's for sure. I just can't believe the Cardinals and the Patriots had the same record before last night's game. Yeah. Cardinals uh, not doing too hot. And that brings me to Johnny, Johnny game time Hicks. You can find him on Twitter at Johnny underscore game time. He's in that Cardinals beanie. We've talked about how you uh, you hope your Cardinals are going to get it done this week against the Giants. We were talking a little off air on that. Uh, and we've talked a little bit about that situation. How are you feeling? What's the overall temperature of the Arizona Cardinals fan right now? Um, I mean, they were definitely not happy about our current losing streak, but uh, it's going to get corrected. We have the right quarterback, so we just need the correct, the correct calls by the coach. Uh, we'll be okay. We are going. This is a guarantee. We're going to win. We are going to beat the New York Giants this weekend, and we're going to put a stop to all of this. Oh, the Giants are the. Oh, the Giants are looking great. They're coming out, and oh, oh, the Cardinals are are tanking. No, we're going to put a stop to that this weekend. Yeah, I guarantee it. Guarantee it. Vegas, Vegas thinks you'll win. You're favored by three, so I don't think it's well, that I'm better than wild. Vegas. I know we're gonna win. I you know should, we're you win. should definitely, uh, you know, beat the Giants if you're a good team. The question is, are they a good team? We'll have to find that out on Sunday. Um, but that's what you came here. You didn't come here for just regular football. You came for some of that fake football, which we like to get into. Whisper Nation, we're gonna get help you find the right quarterback the right wide receivers, the right lineup to get you a W in your first round of the fantasy football playoffs. Or, you know, if you're in that consolation bracket, avoid last place. That's something we would probably try to help you do. So stay tuned, and we will get through the rest of these games, the last four on the slate. And we'll start with the San Francisco 49ers hosting the Washington football team. This is a 42.5 point over under. You've got San Francisco favored by three at home, which they're not really at home. They're in Johnny's backyard playing in Arizona stadium there. So Johnny, we'll start with the Washington football team because, you know, with Gibson's injury, obviously scary Terry becomes the, you know, hopefully the savior for this offense. Is he going to be able to be started uh, in this matchup? He's had a couple down games. How do you feel about Terry McLaurin against this? You know, what's been a pretty good San Francisco defense. Been a very good San Francisco defense, and they've really come on even stronger over the last few weeks. They've started to get really healthy, and as a as a result, they are starting to shut down corners. Now, listen, it, it's the fantasy playoffs. I'm putting my best guys forward. I understand Scary Terry has been struggling the last couple of weeks. He hasn't come through. This does look to be a difficult matchup. So if, if I have better depth on on my wide receivers uh, on my roster, I would I might go with a better matchup here. But I'm not going to get cute and, you know, search the waiver wire and try to find that waiver wire gem of the week. Uh, one thing I will note that, yeah, they might be stout against the wide receiver. Uh, but San Francisco has let up the fifth most touchdowns to opposing wide receivers. 
Uh, Jason Verrett should be lined up against Scary Temp, uh, Scary Terry, uh, who's been locking down guys. So uh, it, it could be a tough day, but I'm still rolling out with Terry McLaurin just because I'm going to trust in the talent and the ability of Alex Smith to to get him, you know, his seven to ten targets that he's been seeing. I'm going to go ahead and talk about Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick, the two running backs here who are filling in for Antonio Gibson, who had some turf toe. Keep him out. He's going to be out this upcoming week. So the question here is between Peyton Barber and J.D. McKissick, who last week both averaged 1.6 yards per carry against the Steelers. Because of this horrendous production on the ground, I got to put J.D. McKissick and Peyton Barber kind of at even territory, at least from the rushing perspective, which is a massive boost to J.D. McKissick because he is the pass-catching halfback for the Washington football team. Last week had 10 targets, caught all 10 of them for 70 yards. I think we're going to see J.D. McKissick's target load continue to, to sit around where it's at right now, which is plentiful. But I also think you're going to see more touches coming J.D. McKissick's way just because Peyton Barber on his 14 rush attempts did not look good. It was going against the Steelers last week, but J.D. McKissick was right in the same camp as him. I would feel pretty good starting J.D. McKissick, especially in a PPR format this week, Travis. Yeah, and look, I wanted to feel really good about starting Logan Thomas. I mean, has 10 or more fantasy points um, in PPR in five of his last seven. He's got four touchdowns in his last seven games. Eighth in tight end targets in the NFL with 70. Seventh in tight end red zone targets with 14. So he's got the peripheral numbers. This is going to be the toughest matchup Thomas has had to face all year. Only Indy gives up fewer points to the tight end, 4.7 points per game allowed but they have given up three tight end scores this year. So there's hope for Logan Thomas. I think if the Washington football team is going to move the ball at all, it will be through Logan Thomas and Terry McLaurin, Jamie McKissick. We've talked about those highlights. So I'm trusting, like Johnny said, I'm trusting the talent here in Logan Thomas and the scheme, um, but it's, you know, temper expectations. And then, you know, just quickly, Alex Smith is not on your streaming radar. Uh, hasn't been above 17 fantasy points all year. He hasn't had any game over just one touchdown. Like he only throws one touchdown max. So he's not really a streamable option on the San Francisco side of the football. Johnny, let's start with Raheem Mostert um, against this Washington front. How are you feeling about Mostert? He seems to be back fully healthy now from the injury. There's some concern as well with Raheem Mostert and his workload, right? He came back last week, thought, Hey, Raheem Mostert, get him in your lineup. And Raheem, Raheem Mostert only saw nine carries in week 13, which was the smallest workload he's received in any game that he's completed this year. You had Jeff Wilson coming in. He received seven carries in this game and was slightly more effective than Mostert. So there is a chance that Mostert concedes a good amount of workload to Wilson against the Washington football team this week as well, but it's hard to know for sure. And then you're looking at this matchup, Washington bottom 12 in rushing yards allowed to the running back position and has only allowed five rushing touchdowns all season, which is fourth best in uh, in the league. So you don't like the, the matchup. The uh, workload could be a little bit unsure where we thought it could be heavily skewed in the favor of Mostert. I think Mostert is more of a flex option this week. He does have the uh, the upside for sure because this offense can run effectively, but uh, he's not you know, the guy that we thought could be an RB2 plug-and-play with RB1 upside this week. Austin, how do you feel about Jordan Reed as a streamable tight end this week? I wanted to like it. You know, Jordan Reed, we know his pass-catching abilities. We know that he's 
got such great wide receiver chops there at the tight end position. But after George Kittle went down, this load is really getting split between Ross Dwelly and Jordan Reed. Tight end's role obviously has two main responsibilities. Yeah, you're catching passes, but you're also out there blocking. One of the things George Kittle is absolutely amazing at and why he's in there 99% of the time. And the same reason why now this tight end load is getting split up between their two other tight ends, where we see Ross Dwelly actually leading in snap percentage by a good margin. Jordan Reed hasn't broken 50% snap percentage in the last, actually, I don't think he's broken it all season long, but especially since you've had George Kittle go down the last couple of weeks, Jordan Reed, an even 50% last week, 44% the week before that, 44% before that, as Ross Dwelly's at 58%, 60%, 51%. So Ross Dwelly's in on the field more. Jordan Reed is the one catching passes, six targets two weeks ago, four targets last week. But he just took those four targets, made three catches out of them for 32 yards. You're going to need a touchdown from Jordan Reed. He's a touchdown-dependent tight end. Um, and we've got a handful of them there. So if, tight, if Jordan Reed would be your tight end streamer of choice, touchdown-dependent, um, I don't hate it in this matchup. But it's just not going to be someone you should get really excited about. Travis? Yeah, and I think we are excited about these wide receivers. I mean, look, Debo Samuel... Um, looks to be fully back healthy now over his last two games, 22 targets, 17 catches and 206 yards. This is a tough matchup for both him and Brandon Ayuk. Second toughest matchup possible for wide receivers. Washington football only uh, football team only allowing 19.6 points per game. But I'm going to really trust Shanahan's scheme over everything here and the talent of both of these wide receivers. You look at Debo just a couple weeks ago, feasted on a Rams secondary that is really good. Um, and so he got it done. But then Brandon Ayuk, man, over the last four weeks, guys, has 28% target market share for this team. He averages 10 targets per game over that span, has not seen below 75 yards in those same games, and he's got three touchdowns over those four games. So for me, Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel kind of must starts for you uh, with this San Francisco team. They are getting it done for you in fantasy football. All right. Uh, speaking of getting it done, the Eagles are done with Carson Wentz, at least for now, it looks like. They're going to move on to Jalen Hurts. Our next game has the Philadelphia Eagles hosting the New Orleans Saints in a 44.5 over under. New Orleans favored by six and a half on the road in the Jalen Hurts, you know, era first game, the beginning of this era. I want to start, though, with the New Orleans side of the ball because a new era kind of started there with Taysom Hill, Austin, and we're looking at Taysom Hill as a, you know, a fine streamable candidate that you've picked up each and every week. He's kind of got it done for you, either on the ground, a little bit through the air last week against Atlanta. How are you looking uh, at him this week against Philly? I'm feeling really excited about Taysom Hill overall, both in this matchup against Philadelphia, as well as for the Saints prospect of being the future quarterback. We heard some murmurings of that, the heir apparent to Drew Brees, and it would look like it's making a lot more sense than some of us might have thought when we, at the beginning of the year, maybe last season, saw Taysom Hill as a gadget player. We know what he can get done on the ground. You know, last week he took 14 rush attempts, turned it into 83 yards. He didn't grab a rushing touchdown for the first time since he started, but he did have two passing touchdowns, 27 completions on 37 attempts for 232 yards. He showed us a little more of that versatility and complete package last week, getting those passing touchdowns in. We know what he can do on the ground. That's a given. But I think it is worth stating a little bit of how well Taysom Hill is actually performing from a deeper metrics perspective. You take a look at the adjusted completion percentage, which factors in um, – you know, drop passes, throwaways, spike balls. It doesn't count those against the quarterback. Taysom Hill is the number two quarterback in the NFL on adjusted completion percentage, right behind 
Drew Brees. And it's a really 81.9 to 81.8. So you're feeling good if you're a Saints fan of who you've got behind center, really no matter what. Um, And you go ahead then and take a look at the kept clean passer rating. And Taysom Hill comes in at number 17, right ahead of Joe Burrow and Kyler Murray, just behind Tom Brady. So if you're sitting right behind Tom Brady, right ahead of Joe Burrow, I'm not feeling that's that's right behind the past, right ahead of the future. And Taysom Hill is looking like he's slotted to get you a good fantasy output both this week and moving forward. Um, there's always that. Yeah, there's always that little bit of concern when we have a quarterback change. You know, when Taysom Hill came in here, we were like, oh, what's this going to do to Alvin Kamara? What will it do to Michael Thomas? And so what it's done for Michael Thomas is give him that elite floor again. He's averaging just under 10 targets per game, averaging 86 yards per game. He is the safe option in this offense. He seems to get fed the ball. You know, Austin, you talked about him being similar to Drew Brees in the way he completes the passes, uh, and he's very accurate. So this is working out for Michael Thomas. Um, You look at Philly as a defense against Michael Thomas, middle-of-the-road pass defense. They've given up the third-fewest touchdowns. But they've given up big games to DK Metcalf, Devontae Adams last week. So you're, you're feeling good about your stud. You know, then it, the question comes in at Emmanuel Sanders. And guys, he's been the epitome of a roller coaster, especially in PPR formats. So you look at weeks 10 and 12, two catches, nine receiving yards, zero touchdowns, averaging under two points per game. Then you look at weeks 11 and 13, the offset weeks. Nine catches, 105 yards, 9.5 points per game. If you guys want to play, you know, at home in Whisper Nation, if you guys want to play the roller coaster game with Emmanuel Sanders, by all means. But I'm going to tell you to fade him this week. I think it's just not something you want to bank on. And then Traquan Smith has one game with more than one catch in his last five. So not really interested there. The most interesting thing, Johnny, is Alvin Kamara, because not only is Alvin Kamara in a tough matchup, he's had some shaky games with Taysom Hill usage wise. And now you got the tough matchup with Philly, but we did just see, you know, maybe Alvin Kamara's little brother in uh, J- uh, Aaron Jones have a good day against Philly last week. So how are you feeling about Kamara this week? If you if you have Alvin Kamara, hopefully you got a first round buy. Uh, you're in one of those leagues where he killed it enough in the beginning where you got a, a first round buy. If not, uh, it could be a little shaky this week. Uh, but once again, I am playing Alvin Kamara. I'm putting in my studs. Uh, just a couple of things to kind of reassure those, uh, you know, people who do roster Alvin Kamara and are thinking, should I bench him? Philly has given up the fir- uh, fifth most rushing touchdowns to opposing running backs. And you on the what Kamara has done, he has out-touched uh, Latavius Murray in the red zone three out of four games. So I, I do think that Alvin Kamara is still going to be in your lineup. He's more of a low-end RB1, though. Uh, with the potential, uh, with that high, high end potential now gone with Jason Tatum as a quarterback. And then Latavius Murray, I don't think I would play him. He hasn't played over 45% of snaps this whole season, and he's less than 10 touches twice in the last four games. I'm staying away from Latavius Murray, but I do think you can roll out Alvin Kamara. Just temper your expectations. Yeah, and we're going to go from tempering your expectations for your stud running back to the other running back on this to maybe benching Miles Sanders. And I know it sounds weird, and and given the running landscape, you maybe don't want to do it, but just let me hear me out here. Sanders has continued to struggle regardless of the matchup. I mean, we looked at last week, Green Bay, that's one of the best matchups in the league. He did not get it done. He has not eclipsed 100 yards since week six. He's had double-digit PPR fantasy points in one of his last four games, back-to-back games with three yards per carry or worse, no touchdowns in his last five games played. Look, the bottom line is it's not all on Miles Sanders. This offense is stagnant. The offensive line is bad. The quarterback play has been bad. 
not a lot of good things here, and it gets even worse when you look at the matchup. Uh, this is the worst possible matchup for fantasy running backs. Only 11.8 fantasy points per game allowed to the position. Five total touchdowns all year, rushing or receiving touchdowns by running backs have been allowed by New Orleans. Just terrible numbers here for Sanders. I think you can bench him. I mean, there's plenty of other options. You look at Ty Johnson, especially if Frank Gore's out, you could probably bench him for. There are other options out there at running back. J.D. McKissick, even in a PPR format, I would feel more comfortable with. I am just not excited about Miles Sanders. And I think that probably extends uh, to, you know, Jalen Hurts and some of these other weapons, right, Austin? Yeah, it does. Um, And I'm not trusting any of them. This week, you know, specifically here with Jalen Hurts, this is week one of the fantasy playoffs. Jalen Hurts got his first real action on the football field, and I'm out. Five for 12, 101 yards, one touchdown, one interception. There's nothing insane to get. He didn't put anything out there that you're extremely stoked about. There was no major highlights, and let's just – there's so many other options. Don't go crazy and start Jalen Hurts or any of his weapons either. Let me ask you what that means for the wide receivers, Johnny. I think Austin pretty much nailed it right there. I, I'm not starting anyone. I'm not looking. The Saints are pretty solid around, all around on guarding the wide receiver position. Uh, and, like, the best matchup on paper would be Alshon Jeffrey, who's marked, uh, uh, should be lined up against Marcus Lattimore. But, uh, once again, you're not trust. I don't know why Alshon's even starting still in the NFL. It should be Travis Fulgham. Uh, I don't know what why the Eagles have gone away from him, but they have. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not looking to start any wide receiver. Austin, I think if you were starting Dallas Goddard, it would be based off the benefit of the doubt, but that all of that production he's had over the last few weeks was with a different quarterback. Are you trusting Dallas Goddard week one of the fantasy playoffs? No, I'm not trusting Dallas Goddard. I really can't trust any of the recipients of a Jalen Hurts pass because we don't know. We haven't had a large enough sample size, and it's such a critical game for you week 14. you got to go other directions. All right, the next critical game on the schedule is the Buffalo Bills hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers on Sunday night football. It's a 48-point over-under. Pittsburgh favored by one and a half on the road. If you're new to our channel here on YouTube, go ahead and hit subscribe. Follow us. Hit that like button. Let us know what your fantasy football questions are below. We'll get those answered for you, and we hope to get you a W here on week 14. Starting with the Pittsburgh side of the ball, Johnny, I'm going to start with the tight end position. We know that Eric Ebron's kind of been locked in. Is he locked in here against Buffalo? Listen, the tight end landscape has been abysmal this year. Absolutely abysmal. I do believe that Eric Ebron will be on a lot of championship rosters this year because you were able to pick him up off of waivers uh, later on in the year, and he's really come through. Uh, over the last few weeks, he's really come on strong, and then uh, you've seen what he's done back-to-back weeks. He's had 11 targets in back-to-back games. The Steelers continue to throw the ball. Even in neutral game script, they want to throw the ball, and Ebron seems to be one of the big beneficiaries of that, right? Then you look at this matchup. Bills have given up the seventh most touchdowns to opposing tight ends while also allowing the second most receiving yards to the tight end position. I do believe that Eric Ebron uh, should remain in your lineup this week and and in the future uh, in the fantasy playoffs. He will be on a lot of championship rosters. Awesome. I'm going to keep it with the uh, pass catchers here and kick it over to this talented trio of wide receivers that Pittsburgh has. 
How do you see this shaking out? Um, are you good with starting all three? Buffalo's secondary has been had a lot this year. We could see a shootout, a sneaky shootout here on Sunday night. Yeah, and I think if you've got Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, or Chase Claypool, you can fire any one of those three up with confidence. And I would rank them in that order. Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, and Chase Claypool. Deontay Johnson has recently turned into a bona fide back-end wide receiver one, seeing 52 targets over the last four weeks. It's fun. You know, I've been looking at Deontay Johnson as he's been progressing. And but when you take out the last game, it was 50 targets over the last four weeks. And then if you... Make take his most recent, it even goes up 52 targets over the last four weeks. He's been seeing even more opportunity. He's been the number five wide receiver over the last month. And this is still a really young playmaker for the Pittsburgh Steelers. I think his role is only going to get more entrenched and his skill set only improve. Juju Smith-Schuster's had not a great year, but a better game than I think a lot of people would expect. Back-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three. Pretty consistent. Um, The majority of the time, he's getting you double-digit fantasy points. He only has five games this year of single-digit points. Number 20 wide receiver PPR, 26 standard. Um, but his tar- And his target low for the entire season is, is just four. But he's not a ceiling play like we thought that he could have been he's broken 100 yards not once this season yet um and so just keep that in mind as you're going forward the ceiling plays Deontay Johnson now Chase Claypool though has some upside from the touchdown perspective um, but he really is becoming more of a touchdown dependent wide receiver he hasn't broken 60 yards in the last month um saw a 44 percent snap share uh last week lowest since week two and now he's a little bit sick so temper expectations on the Chase Claypool side. He had to start him, though. I don't hate it, but I'm feeling really good about the other two, especially Juju Smith-Schuster and Deontay Johnson, Travis. One other thing I'll add to Austin's thing there. Uh, Buffalo Bills love to give up fantasy points slot wide receiver. Uh, you saw Cole Beasley last week just eat them alive. I do think Juju has a very nice day this week. Look, we have three great wide receivers. We got one great tight end. That means we should kind of like what Ben Roethlisberger could be able to do here, Johnny, against Buffalo. Once again, the over-under, one of the higher ones, not a super high over-under, but definitely, you know, looked at the weather forecast. This is going to be a clear game. How do you feel about Ben this week? I think that uh, (laughs) you're good. You're okay. Uh, They are giving up. Uh, Buffalo is giving up the seventh most fantasy points to opposing QBs. So in the streamable area, uh, I will say that ben, Big Ben has thrown two or more touchdowns in all but two games this season. So I do think his floor is relatively safe. Um, but uh, and at the same time, he hasn't thrown for less than 250 yards since week eight. So I think that the floor is extremely safe in this game and in the, in the fantasy playoffs that's kind of what you're looking for especially if you're streaming at this point so i think big ben is a great play especially because the upside uh this could become a shootout uh necessarily you know vegas doesn't necessarily think so um and i've been talking to my my guys here they don't necessarily think so but it, it does has that potential so uh i do think that big ben is a solid floor with a, a tremendous upside this week so i don't mind i don't mind streaming Maybe the player with the most upside on the roster for this fantasy football week is James Conner. I mean, prior to the COVID absence, he had steady workhorse numbers. It was averaging 17 touches per game. Only two of his last seven games has he fallen under under 12 PPR fantasy points. And then this this game against Buffalo, like this matchup is great. Ninth best matchup against running backs, 19.4 points per game allowed and 140 all-purpose yards per game on average. 
and nearly a touchdown on average given up to running backs. So James Conner, if you need a little bit of confidence after the absence, you can fire up James Conner. He's back just in time for the playoffs, so you're really excited about that. On the other side of the ball, we have the Buffalo Bills, Johnny, and uh, from James Conner's ultra-confidence to a lack of confidence in these running backs here, Devin Singletary, after the Zach Moss kind of benching, uh, looked kind of, you know, like he had a little bit of pop against San Fran. Any enough to trust him against this vaunted Steelers defense? Not enough to trust him uh, against Pittsburgh. They've given up the six fewest rushing yards allowed uh, and only surrendered eight total touchdowns to running backs this whole year. And with this going back and forth, yeah, you saw it. You saw Zach Moss fumble on the goal line. Uh, and that just continued the streak of he's only had more than 11 touches twice this season. So I'm staying away from Zach Moss now. The only reason I was playing him is because he had that touchdown upside. And if that, you know, is hindered in any way, then you take him off the board. And then you're looking at Devin Singletary. He's had 14 or more carries in back-to-back weeks. Uh, but again, it, it you're not getting that touchdown upside. You still being, you know, split between Zach Moss. It could still get some of that. You have Josh Allen getting some of that. So in the fantasy playoffs, I try to get the pieces that I know can give me a solid floor and have the best potential upside uh, and and ceiling. And I don't think Zach Moss or Singletary has it this week in this matchup. So I'm looking to stay away. For that reason, you are out. Uh, I think Stefan Diggs is a guy with a great floor, solid ceiling as well, like great ceiling as well. Austin, is there something there for Diggs to be concerned? I mean, we did just watch Pittsburgh bracket uh, the heck out of Terry McLaurin, kind of shut him down last week. Are you concerned with Stephon Diggs this week? You know, you talk about how good Stephon Diggs' ceiling is and how good his floor is, and his consistency might be the number one quality Stephon Diggs brings to the fantasy field this season. His lowest total this season is 7.4 points and half points PPR. He's gotten single digits just twice. Um, it's kind of crazy that he's the number 12 wide receiver, number five PPR. I would think he'd be even higher than he actually is, given it's just double-digit performances, one after the other after the other. 100-yard games, like, all the time. He's got four of them on the year thus far. Given his role on the team, I'm not going to be benching Stefan Diggs. And if I look a little closer at the Pittsburgh defense, Joe Hayden, who leads the Pittsburgh Steelers secondary um, in yards per route run, so he is their best cornerback from that perspective he dominates the left side of the field 91 percent of the time that's where he hangs out but Stefan Diggs moves around a lot and actually spends the fewest amount of his snaps on the left side at just 29 percent um, so because of how versatile they make Stefan Diggs and because of how locked in Pittsburgh's defense traditionally remains I feel really good about Stefan Diggs's opportunity of grabbing a big play um, or them just trying to force production through his massive overload of targets that he normally gets and, you know, the other wide receiver to keep in mind, Travi, would be Cole Beasley. And Cole Beasley might have a sneaky upside play to him this week. He's been a really good play in PPR format since John Brown went down. But what gets me excited here is, again, looking at the potential matchup that Pittsburgh's going to be throwing his way. And Mike Hilton spends a lot of his time in the slot, 70% of his time. And that's where Cole Beasley's at 89 percent of the time on offense Mike Hilton is the Pittsburgh Steelers worst cornerback he's letting up 1.69 yards per route run this is uh for perspective it's it's 
it's in the green. It's a nice matchup for Cole Beasley. So it could be a sneaky matchup despite Pittsburgh's overall lockdown number one ranked pass defense. I would not be surprised if Cole Beasley saw 10 to 11 targets in this game. If you're looking at the way Pittsburgh attacks you, uh, they put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. And Beasley has just been this target monster for Allen when he needs to soak up and move the chains. And uh, it's just worked out really well for him. So speaking of Josh Allen, look, I know this is a tough matchup. The worst possible matchup you could get in the fantasy playoffs right now. 13.6 points per game. Only 17 passing touchdowns allowed all season. Zero quarterback rushing touchdowns allowed. That's a big one for Josh Allen because we know that's how he gets a lot of his, his upside here. But this game still has a top five over under per Vegas. You know, Johnny alluded to a sneaky shootout upside here. We have that. And look, Josh Allen is himself a top five option at the position. So he's coming off four touchdowns against a tough San Francisco defense, 30 or more rushing yards in four of his last seven, has 300 or more passing yards in three of his last five. Josh Allen cannot be on your bench this week, even though the matchup's tough. His upside is too tremendous in this one. All right, our last game on the slate is the Monday night football matchup. The Cleveland Browns will host the Baltimore Ravens in a 47-point over-under. Baltimore favored by two on the road. If you are new to the channel here at the Fantasy Whispers, make sure you hit like, make sure you hit subscribe, and you comment below your greatest fantasy football question you've ever had, and we will try to answer that and get you a W for Week 14 in your playoff matchup. And then you can stick with us for the rest of your championship run. Speaking of championship run... Lamar Jackson uh, led a lot of teams on a championship run last year, uh, but has not been the ceiling play we've seen him to be this year, Austin. We've talked about this, you know, especially you. Like, you've you've had Baltimore a couple times over the last few weeks. You've had Lamar over the last few weeks. How did we feel about his game back from COVID? How are we feeling confidence-wise going against this Cleveland secondary? You know, when you look at Lamar Jackson and the type of quarterback that he is, how versatile he is hitting you from the ground, hitting you from the air. Yeah. He's not going to be the most consistent from one single area, but he has so many ways he can get you that you have to keep an eye out for all these possibilities. We could talk about stats. We could talk about adjusted completion percentage. We could talk about passing grades. We could talk about kept clean ratios, all these different things with Lamar Jackson. But for me, these stats really don't help you. Uh, figure out where he's going to go uh, moving ahead because at any single play, he could bust out a 99-yard touchdown run. And right there, you're getting yourself nearly 16 points right there in a single play. Um, we've seen this man hit you with five touchdown passes in the past. That is in his tool belt. It hasn't looked great this season, but again, his floor has been way higher than he's getting credit for. He's a near lock to get you 20 fantasy points any single week. Yeah, he hasn't broken 40 fantasy points this season. That's definitely a disappointment for you. But he's the number 11 quarterback. Um, overall, he's a back-end quarterback one for you. This is obviously not where you expected him to be when you drafted him in the first, second, third round. But he is a solid play because of how versatile he is and how many different areas he can attack you from, which is kind of what he did against Balt- Excuse me, against Cleveland week one. 25 pass attempts, 20 completions, 275 yards, three passing touchdowns, and added 45 more yards on the ground. Um, I'm not feeling bad about Lamar Jackson. This man is who he is. Um, and he's a good, good floor play, and that ceiling still exists for him. Yeah, Cleveland giving up a ton of points to the quarterback, Cleveland giving up a ton of points to Lamar over his career. You're feeling really good about Lamar Jackson this week. Johnny, I wanted to ask you how you're feeling about this running back core, because all last week we talked about this a little bit. 
You know, it was supposed to be the J.K. Dobbins takeover. Mark Ingram got off the COVID list in time. We saw all three of them involved. We saw all three of them successful in it for the most part against Dallas. But that is Dallas. This Cleveland front's been a lot better than Dallas. <laughs> and that might be an understatement. Uh, but how do you feel about any of these backs in this particular matchup? Yeah, Cleveland only allowing less than 80 yards per game on the ground, and they've only given up 10 total touchdowns to the running back position all year. That is not uh, some good things that you like to see as uh, someone who would roster one of these running backs. But listen, J.K. Dobbins, we thought it was the breakout a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, he took over. He had 15 carries in the game. We thought it was finally time. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, Baltimore still has different plans. Uh, they continue to see a three-back rotation. J.K. Dobbins does get the bulk of the of those carries, but they're still limited. Uh, you know, uh, under 14 carries uh, usually per game. And then, you know, you have Gus Edwards, who you know is a thorn in people's side, but he's he continues to be efficient with those carries. Uh, he's the most efficient running back on the team. And then Mark Ingram. Uh, because, you know, they got big trust in Mark Ingram, so I feel like they're just throwing him out there uh, to show him that they still trust him a little bit. But it's it's just unfortunate because he's just taking away. They're just cannibalizing each other. Uh, so I would look elsewhere if I can. Not a great matchup. You can't guarantee uh, the workload. And once again, we try to go with what we know in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, that will give you also the highest ceiling. And it's unfortunate because this running back maybe – Next year will help you do that, but not this year. Miles Sanders or J.K. Dobbins? I think I'm going to go with Miles Sanders because it's a slightly better matchup and I can more so guarantee the workload over J.K. Dobbins. All right. Uh, the top passing option, or supposed to be the top passing option for Lamar Jackson is Marquise Brown, but he's heated up lately, even after a disappointing start to the year, back-to-back -back games with eight targets, back-to-back -back games with a touchdown, back-to-back -to -back games with 77 or more snap percentage or percentage of the snaps. Um, Cleveland is bottom six against wide receivers. They are giving up nearly 27 points per game. Check this out. Only Houston, Dallas, and Minnesota, we know those secondaries have been trash, have given up more touchdowns to wide receivers. I'm okay with rolling in the flames with Marquise Brown here, especially Austin's case for uh, Lamar Jackson was made very well. That means I like Marquise Brown. Um, nobody else really in the wide receiving room, but Austin, we're going to get Mark Andrews back this week. And we're feeling good about getting Mark Andrews back, especially going up against the Cleveland Browns defense that gives up the second most amount of points to the tight end position in the NFL. Mark Andrews is the number five tight end in the NFL in a points per game perspective. And with Boyle out, his snap percentage jumped from 59% in week nine to, uh, or excuse me, man, I was on a roll with this one. And the stat was just a little bit off on that you. one. Oh my God. I was just ramping it up. Excuse me on this. In week nine, he had a 59% snap percentage and then Boyle went out and we saw Andrews jump to 76% and then 87% in his last active game against Tennessee, where he had a team leading seven targets, caught five of them for 96 yards and the touchdown. And again, going up against this choice defensive matchup in Cleveland, I'm feeling very very good about Mark Andrews, Travis, both this week and moving forward rest of the season. Enjoy him in the playoffs. 
All right, Johnny, we're going to move to the Cleveland Browns side of the ball. We got to talk about Baker. This is the uh, franchise quarterback. Hasn't been a very good fantasy asset. Has a couple games that he's been good, but we're not starting him here against Baltimore, correct? Listen, you call them by the wrong name. You need to get it right. It's Baker, Baker, touchdown maker, because that's all he's been doing over the last two weeks. You know, six touchdowns and 600 yards will make you think that, you know, but uh, no, bottom Baltimore, bottom 12 in points allowed to the QB position. I think if, if uh, Cleveland is going to win this game, uh, it will be on the running backs uh, or because of the running back game. Yeah, basically, you know, that was all of his touchdowns for the season, but we'll just we'll let that one go. Uh, Austin, if we're looking at Baker's weapons, it starts with Jarvis Landry, uh, and he's had some good games over the last couple of weeks, really thriving with OBJ out of the lineup. How are you feeling about him against a very tough Baltimore secondary? Yeah, man, I love what Jarvis Landry's done the last two weeks. 21 targets, 16 catches, over 200 yards and two touchdowns combined from those two games. But this week, this matchup going up against the Baltimore Ravens, uh, who have been very stout from a defensive perspective, and you expect to see... Jarvis Landry paired up a lot with Marlon Humphrey, who's been a really good cornerback. Um, we see in 50% of Jarvis Landry's routes run from the slot. Marlon Murphy, 65% of the time, hangs out in the slot position, and he is their best cornerback, letting up just 1.07 yards per route run. That's not elite elite, but it's something you don't really want to mess with if you can't avoid it. He would be my start. He would be the wide receiver I'd roll out. Jarvis Landry's hip was a concern for me earlier in the season. He looks like he is himself. And like you said, Travis, since OBJ has gone down, he's that number one option. And given how productive he's been the last couple of weeks and the role he's had on the offense, I wouldn't hate you for starting him on this one. You just need to temper your expectations for Jarvis Landry and the rest of these wide receiving options. Don't chase points. Recognize it was their first 300-yard passing game, Baker Baker touchdown makers, last week. So um, just keep that in mind. Points don't repeat themselves. It's not rollover situations. Um yeah, just temper those expectations going up against this stout defense. But Jarvis Landry has looked good, Travis. Yeah, I think we'd be okay with Landry. I just I'm not too confident. That's the one of the strengths of this Baltimore defense is those those cornerbacks. And Marlon Humphrey is their slot corner. He's been really one, great. One thing, big Travi, I'll throw out there. I'm not recommending starting Donovan Peoples Jones, but he is slotted to go against Devontae Harris who has a horrendous 2.98 yards per route run. I'm looking down my entire list of cornerbacks, and nobody is as bright green as this cornerback matchup here in Devontae Harris. So it's just a rookie running back, but maybe in case he daily, pops off. Maybe a little daily play, maybe a little cheap wide receiver. Yes, play that could be a really nice, a nice cheap wide receiver play there. Donovan That's Peoples. Johnny's boy, Donovan Peoples-Jones. Johnny, no, uh, Johnny loves him. that guy. I can never get his name right. Well, you can get Austin Hooper's name right. Do you think that Austin Hooper can get it done against this Baltimore uh, secondary? That actually seems to be the way, if you're going to pass on Baltimore, maybe it's through the tight end position. Are we interested in Hooper as a streamer here? They've they've allowed 600 yards and five touchdowns to the tight end position. So to second what you're saying, yeah, that's the way you... Uh, attack them over, you know, if you're going to pass. But unfortunately, Austin Hooper has only seen more than two targets once in the last four weeks. So he might see a slight uptick in targets in this week, but I just don't think it's going to be enough or consistent uh, to be uh, able to be trusted in your lineup this week. I would look elsewhere. 
look, we could talk about Baker Mayfield being a touchdown maker or a franchise quarterback, but when he reports to Brown's building, he reports to one man, and that's Nick Chubb because that's who makes this offense go. Nick Chubb is a lock for 20 touches. He has uh, He's averaged over... Uh, 20 touches for the last four games since his return, averaging over 103 all-purpose yards in the last month, has scored in three of his four games back. This is an absolute, obviously you know Nick Chubb is in your lineup. It is worth noting that Baltimore uh, was his worst game of the year other than the game he got hurt against Dallas. He had 10 for 60, no touchdown against Baltimore. That was week one, though, Um, and he's actually on a roll right now. I would not want to face Nick Chubb at this point. 15.5 points per game allowed to the position. So really the question comes in with Kareem Hunt. And this this guy's been a little bit disappointing. Really, since Chubb was hurt, he did not rise to the occasion for you. He's been startable, of course. Um, But 17 touches last week, that was his highest mark with Chubb back in the lineup. So you you like that. You're encouraged by that. Baltimore only allowing 1,057 rushing yards and four rushing touchdowns all year. But they have given up the 11th most receptions to running backs in 2020. So I actually think Hunt can be on your flex radar this week. You can have a little bit of confidence in them getting him involved. Remember, he scored on Baltimore in week one through the air. So I think there's something there uh, to be said about getting Hunt in your lineup. Well, we're glad you're in our lineup, Whisper Nation. As always, if you want more content, make sure you go to thefantasywhispers.com, follow us on YouTube, or comment below any of your fantasy football questions. For Austin Sear, for Johnny Gametime Hicks, I am Big Travi, and we are the Fantasy Whispers. We're out. Peace. Peace. Thank you for listening to the Fantasy Whispers podcast. You can hear more from John and Travis on Google Play, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can also follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at TF Whispers.